Hey, welcome everybody to The Greater Community. Um, this is a show that features ministries happening in our local community and around the world outside of the four walls of Community Covenant Church. And this week, um, I had the pleasure to have a conversation with my friend, Matt Thomas. And he's gonna tell you a bit more about what he's doing and, and with the Freedom Initiative. And so um, as you watch this, if you have questions, you can feel free to interact in the chat. Um, even though this isn't a live show, uh, we do want this to be an opportunity for you to get engaged in ministry and to be more than just watching a YouTube video. This is something that maybe inspire your heart. So, so Matt, welcome. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself and what you're doing. So my name is Matt Thomas. Uh, I'm the planting pastor of Freedom Initiative Church. We, we planted a church just a little bit ago, actually in January in Lenexa. We meet at the Streetside Auditorium at Foundry and our, our demographic is a little bit different than the average one. Um, we, we, we specifically focus on men and women who have been incarcerated, addicted to drugs, and, and mostly incarcerated, though, or that just, just really haven't found a home for themselves. And so we, we try to provide that. And the way we do it is providing avenues for men like me or women that, that have similar backgrounds to be able to be raised up into the call that God's put on their lives. Cool. And so me having known a little bit about your story, but our, our audience doesn't, I know that this um, church plant is a little bit different, as you say, is the, is the norm. And, and it probably looks even a little bit different than your traditional prison ministry, as people might think about it. Yep. What is your interest in this, in, this, in this ministry? What is the specific calling that God's put on your life to kind of invest in this population? So about 2015, uh, I got the chance to go out to San, San Francisco and I was out there with a friend of mine named Andrew. And one day I'm looking out the window and I said, Andrew, he goes, he goes, what? I said, man, I think God's called me to develop leaders. And it really sounded arrogant when I first said it, cause I really didn't understand the context of what was happening. And as you know, as time moves on, actually right after that conversation, we started planting two churches inside of Hutchinson correctional facility and, and then I, you know, a year later, I moved up here to the Kansas City area, and then we planted three more churches, two in Lansing, and then we tried to do one on the outside, and it just, you know, just wasn't time. And so, so what God did is, is God really put that into a practical, physical thing that had happened. And so, so what blessed my heart is, is I know, so I, I did three years in prison out in Arizona and I spent a lot of time in and out of county jail and spent some time in a boys ranch as a kid. And so I've, I've been in a lot of different institutions and the hardest thing for a man or woman coming out of that is to know that God's called them to do something, but have no place to do that at. And so it, it really wore heavy on me because, you know, I, I remember when God called me to speak and to preach and to do these things, and he really called me into ministry, nobody knew what to do with me because I'm, I'm a five-time felon. I've, you know, I've got all these mistakes. I've got years of, of abuse and pain. And, and so, so your normal, typical church doesn't know how to engage with that. And, and so it, you know, it wasn't on purpose or malicious, but it left me wanting and confused and stressed and, and trying, you know what I mean? Trying to figure out, okay, I think God called me to do this. And so as time went on, you know, I, I got the chance to empower these leaders in Hutchinson and it just clicked and, and everything made sense. And then, 
And then that was the kind of model that we started focusing on is how do I empower these guys and girls to come out and be successful? And, and how do I empower the ones already out that don't have a home church that, or, or that do have a home church, but, but feel that God's calling them to do something more. And, and so it's like, how do I wrap this in a ball and honor this, this call that God's put on my life? And so we, we did that by planting the Freedom Initiative Church to where I actually just planted this church with, with a guy that just did 10 years for, for a, a drug case. And I had the opportunity to raise him up as a pastor inside of Lansing. And now he's, he's, he's going to be the lead pastor pretty soon. You talked a little bit about, hinted at a little bit about some of the obstacles that people face as they're coming out of an incarcerated situation. Like, can you talk a little bit about what is it like to, you know, feel like the Lord has transformed your heart, but then you're stepping out from that confinement situation kind of back into the world. What are some of those obstacles that, that you run into? So, so there's, there's multiple ones. There's number one, you know, I, I had a mentor inside of the prison. His name was Doug and he was an old Baptist preacher and he's old retired master chief in the Navy. And, and he said, he goes, son, he said, you got, you got two strikes against you everywhere you go. He said, everywhere you go and walk into, he says, whether it's looking for a job, doing this, you've got two strikes against you. And, and when I first heard that, I was like, well, that's a pretty messed up thing to say. But, but, the, but the truth is, it's true. And, and, and I mean that by, you know, if, if me and another guy that hasn't been to prison, that's not covered in tattoos, walks into a place, um, chances are, you know what I mean? As, as even though I might be qualified, if they run my background and they see I've got all these theft charges and drug charges, they're going to hire the other guy. And so that's just one. The other one is, is when, when I walk into a church, most people don't, most people don't recognize that I'm a pastor, you know what I mean? Or that, that I'm going to be getting up to speak or, and it's because it's, it's just hard. It's hard to look and say, say, okay, this person has been called by God to do this. And so, you know, housing, it's, it's honestly, if I try to go get an apartment, I wouldn't be able to get a nice apartment because I still have a prison record. I still have, you know, they would look at me and they'd be like, we, we can't rent to you. And so, so these are the barriers that we run into. It's, it's, it's hard. It's, it's hard. Number one. And, and it's possible because if you work hard and, 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 you know, God really blesses what you do, but, but it's, I mean, you seriously do have two strikes against you as you roll out of the gate. So what is that like then if you have, let's say you, you really find Christ while you're incarcerated and you, your heart is really transformed. And so you start seeing yourself as a new creation, like our scriptures tell us, but yet, everyone you encounter on the outside is doesn't can't see that new creation like what does that do to a person when they're you know they kind of have a pastor or a mentor telling this one thing but they got literally everybody else telling them something else like what is that like it makes you want to quit i, I mean and, and here's the unfortunate truth tom is most people do quit at that point and and they become they become callous and hardened to the church because in their mind, and really in truth, right? So let's forget about in their in truth. We as the church should understand that concept, but but most of us don't, right? And 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 so I've had conversations where like, oh yeah, you know, it'd be great to have them. You know, they could go out and and do the painting and clean do. And I'm like, like like what? You know what I mean? It's it's like that that would that would disqualify Paul 
from all 13 epistles that he wrote. You know what I'm saying? Because this dude was, I mean, he was a murderer and, and he would ravage households. And he, I mean, he was, he was, he was nuts. He was a, I mean, he was borderline jihadist, what we read about. You know what I mean? He was, he was zealous for, for his religion. And, and if, if we're honest, right, we read that and we're like, oh, Paul's the greatest, you know, but truth is everybody that was alive in Paul's time, whether they were, whether they were, you know, pharisaical or, or, or Christians, at first, nobody even wanted to talk to this guy and, and nobody wanted, you know what I mean? Everybody was hands off, but, but that's that it's the same mindset played over and over and over with anybody who's, who's got a past like that. So what, and so knowing that, obviously, you know, that as, as someone who's been in that situation, you're trying to turn back around and do ministry. How do you intentionally then address that need in your ministry, knowing that this is what is needed for people to succeed? So, so I'd, I'd say it's a two-part deal. I'd say, number one, we, we talk to people that aren't felons and make them aware that, that we've got a good, a good group of men and women who, who love to serve Christ and who are living the right way. And we, we take the stigma off by trying to put them together in situations where they can serve God together. And then the other side of it is, is just being truthfully honest yet positive with men and women to not set your, not set your expectations so high that, that when, when the slightest thing happens or, or if the most horrible things happen, that you just fall off the face of the earth. It's, it's saying, look, man, it's going to be hard for you. You got these felonies. You got people that don't understand, but hang in there right? It, it'll pan out. And then, you know, you work on things like, okay, quit trying to buy the, quit trying to get the $20 an hour job right out of prison. Start with the $10 an hour job. When you got six months on the $10 an hour job, now you have some work experience to back you up for the $20. It's, it's, it's the practical explaining that, that it's, it's, it's just going to take time. And, and so, you know, I've been out of prison 11 and a half years now. Honestly, it's almost been, it's almost been 12 years I've been out of prison. And, and my jobs right out of prison were, <laughs> doing dishes and cooking food. That's, yeah. that's what I did. And then I got a second job doing more dishes and cooking more food. You know what I mean? So it's like, it, it, and I fought wildland firefighters inside of, inside of prison. And so it was, there was no job that was too, too low for me. It was like, I, I just woke up one day, started knocking doors and said, Hey, my name's Matt. I just got out of prison yesterday. You know, <laughs> do you have a job? I'll work. I'll, and I, I literally just did that until I got to this restaurant and they got, I, I got the job and I did such a good job getting the job. They didn't even ask me what I did until after the fact. They were like, oh, what did you go to prison for? You know what I mean? And, and it was, I mean, it was kind of funny, but, but, it, and then I worked my butt off. It, and so, so it's, it's, it's that, that mentoring piece of walking it out with these men and women that says, look, it's going to be hard. It's not impossible, man. You're going to have some successes, but you're also going to have some setbacks. You know what I mean? And just, just keeping, keeping it real with them and walking it out with them. Is there like a recipe for success? Like are there people that you meet that you're like, okay, this person has a better shot to be successful or is that hard to predict? Or are there certain characteristics in a person that tend to make them like more likely to succeed on the outside? Yes. So, so, and, and I'm, I'm sure you're familiar with this, but there's two mindsets, right? There's the fixed mindset and the growth mindset. And the fixed mindset says it has to be this way or else it has to be these other five things or else it, you know what I mean? And, and, and don't, don't change anything up because that, that overwhelms me. And, and, and so a fixed mindset says, I, this is what I know. I'm not going anywhere past that. And, and no, you can't teach me anything. And I'm not, you know what I mean? And that's, and, and so honestly, those are the ones that go back to prison. 
And, and the reason is, is because they've refused to take anybody's information, knowledge, or advice to help them. And so when anything tiny happens, right, it's, it's, it's well, forget this, I'm going to go get high or forget this. I'm gonna, it, it, and truth is, the growth mindset says, I've got to move in, in a fluid manner and be like, oh, okay, so, so that means the next door opens. And, and it's, it's, it's changing your mindset that, that look, it's, it's not about what you tell me to do or what not to do. It's about what I have to do to be successful. And, 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 and success for, I mean, success for everyone is measured differently, but even if you just take the basics of, I want to stay out of prison, well, what do I got to do to stay out of prison? Man, I got to not be where I used to be. I got to not be with the people I used to be with. You know what I mean? I've, I've got to work a job. I've got to do what parole tells me. These are, I mean, these are just basics, which is honestly basic living for anybody. I mean, it, you can't, you can't just not pay your bills. You know what I'm saying? Expect to, even if you don't have felonies, it's, it's like, it's, it's changing that understanding that nobody owes you anything. And honestly, you don't owe anybody anything. It, this is your chance at a fresh start and a new life. And that's it. So, so you, it's, it's that teachability and that understanding that, that this is going to be what I make it. it. It's it. Yeah. So. It almost sounds like, I mean, you're, what you're really talking about is a discipleship mindset, right? Yes. Yes. Moving with Jesus and following Jesus, and I think even as a pastor in the churches that I've served in, whether it's with teenagers, with with adults, you know, that's almost like the you know the predictor of like how well are they going to do is dependent on like how willing are you to learn new things, yep. and to and to yep. actually address those you know those aspects of your life that maybe you don't really want to talk about, but you know you're like yeah, I gotta, I gotta work on that stuff. Right. I mean, it's just a, it's a, so, a mindset of like motion. Right. So this is what you got to think about, right? Most of these guys and, and girls that are in prison are, are little kids. I mean, truthfully, they're kids that have been through traumatic experiences that, that have started doing drugs when they were young, that, that don't have dads. And so, so the same thing you would deal with in, in a youth ministry setting is the same thing you're dealing with on a, on a more nationwide scope in prison. And, and it's, it's that it's, it's, if, if it's the same thing, it's the same as the 14 year old kid that's smoking pot and doesn't want to do it. You know what I mean? He's going the same direction as this 40 year old man who's, who's in the same mindset, man, you're not going to tell me what to do. You're not, you know, it, and it's, 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 it's the same. Yeah. Yeah. Which is really like, if you really think about it, you talked about pharisaical earlier. I mean, it's really why Jesus had so much to say to the Pharisees, right? And it's challenged them so yep. much. They had really gotten in that more of a fixed mindset of like, this is the box that- That's it, yeah. And God only moves like this and nothing yeah. else, yep. Right. right, and so it seems like in some ways, these concepts that you're talking about are not like rocket science, right? It's, no, no, it's, it's, it's biblical and it's, it's a few thousand years old. <laughs> but I think, but so th I, mean, I wanna talk about this for a little bit because I think this is, interesting part of this conversation is as much as this seems like a very like no-brainer conversation it seems like the bottom line question for us is do we really believe that the gospel transforms people right that that that's the root of, of the whole conversation I'm, i mean to be honest if if you look so I, I just i looked at my face sheet yesterday while i was sitting in the airport flying back and and it's funny right because if you pull me up man i I literally have five felonies. And, and, and honestly, if you pulled an NCIC check on me, nobody would want to even be around me because, because, because just because of how I was living. But 
but God. You know what I mean? God really so radically transformed that that man. I, I don't I don't drink. I don't smoke. I don't chew. I don't, I don't I don't nothing. You know what I mean? And 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 I was all of those things before, and a thief and a drug addict, and and I mean it. it he radically changed my life. I I didn't do it. You know what I'm saying? Like like I I've, I've been doing drugs my whole life. He radically changed my life. And so so if if that's if that's true and there's power in the gospel, then then there's power in the gospel for everybody. So what does that do for your faith when you start working with folks? I'd imagine as much as you have people that you know don't end up being successful or whatever, go yeah. back, you see that life change, right? You, you see transformations, but what does that do for you personally? Like when you see other people, does that is that an encouragement for you? Like, how does that? Oh, that that super that super strengthens me. So, so I'll give you an example. We we helped a kid who was homeless down in Wichita. Picked him up, and you know, because we got these homes for these guys, and brought him in the home. And he'd never really been in trouble. He was just homeless and and a drug addict, and and got clean, got his head right, went to army school, you know, went to went to boot camp, and then went to A school. Ended up becoming an RB ranger. You know what I'm saying? And like like. Honestly, I think I met the kid one time and, and cause I, cause I live up here in Kansas city. So I get this Facebook message and, and it's, Hey man, this is Ryan, you know, that everybody calls the kid. I just want to let you know that, that I'm crushing it. I'm going to college, right? You know what I'm saying? And, and so it's, it's that, that's, that's my favorite encouragement is seeing, seeing where they get to, even if it's ugly getting to that point, right? Cause there's honestly, there's guys that I've had to kick out of the house that, that wouldn't stop drinking or wouldn't, you know what I mean? That, that, you know, I get a picture in my, in my DMS that say, Hey man, I just got baptized, man. You know, thank you for having a part. And I'm just like, like, it, you know what I mean? It just, it just pulls it out of you to me. That's, and that's, that's God looking down and saying, Hey, good job, son. Not that I changed them, but, but at least I got to experience part of their life. Right. And so it's something seems like that's difference in fruitful ministry sometimes and ministry that sort of seems stagnant is like, is it just normal to see people's lives being changed or is it exceptional? You know, if you think about any church, like, okay, if you have a church that, yeah, we had a baptism, you know, back in 06, remember that baptism? Right. Like those are typically the churches that it does seem like a mindset. It's like, it, it does seem about kind of just going through the motions. When you read yep. the miraculous things in scripture, that seems like, you know, like almost like a fairy tale because it's so outside yep. of experience. But when you're in that culture where people are being transformed, it it's a little bit contagious, right? Yep, it is. It is. And it's and it's awesome. I mean, look at coming from drug addiction. You know what I mean? It's 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 awesome. I and, and dude, I'm I'm an adrenaline junkie. I I love I mean I'm getting older now, so I'm a little less of that, but but I still love it, but but nothing's really ever compared to like going in the prison and seeing 30 some dudes raise their hand to accept Christ in a, in a maximum security prison, you know, it's, it's, and then, and then a year later seeing them still walking that and, and, and standing on the principles that, that, that God showed them. Uh, it's, it's powerful. Yeah. yeah. So one of the things when we first met that really like kind of raised my antenna and, and kind of piqued my interest is you talked about, you talked about the ministry of guys that are getting out. Yeah. 
but you also are doing leadership development inside of facilities, right? Yep. So talk about how did that kind of concept come about of actually training up leaders while they're still incarcerated? Where did that come from? So, so there's an awesome organization in Lansing prison called Brothers in Blue Reentry. And Brothers in Blue was an offshoot of the old prison fellowship IFI program, which, which was like an 18-month discipleship program. So when, when Brothers in Blue took over, I, I started getting guys from the Brothers in Blue program in our houses that were like two steps ahead of everybody. I mean, it was, it was, it was noticeable how, how much better at, at, at just paying attention, goal setting, you know what I mean? Like, like they were, like they had gone to school <laughs> somewhere in the process and, and, you know, Microsoft Word, Excel, I mean, they, they could do these things. They could code computers. I mean, it was just, it was amazing. And so, so, you know, I just through, through the grace of God, I ended up getting offered a job and becoming the program manager and me and the, the director, CJ, became really good friends and, and we we really tried to change the culture because both of us had been incarcerated and that's where it came from is 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 in order for there to be real bought-in success and growth they have to have ownership and the only way to have ownership is to empower them to be something rather than just an inmate and and so it was the same with the churches right I I didn't I didn't want to plant these churches so that, that I have four churches that I, you know what I mean, that I have to go pastor at. I planted these four churches so I could have four pastors that are raising up four more pastors that, you know what I mean? And so that's, that's the deal. I, I, I can't, I, nor do I want to, you know, have a bunch of Matt disciples running around. I, I want to see this change come from, because, because then it's genuine and it's longstanding and it's, it's, it's a deeper empowerment when you do that. And, and honestly, even though I've been formerly incarcerated, those that are currently incarcerated, speaking to the other currently incarcerated, and if they're living right, those are natural leaders. And it's, it's honestly, it's the same missional principle anywhere in the world, right? That's like, it's like us going to Zimbabwe and, and trying to do missions out there without empowering somebody in Zimbabwe to be, to be the person of peace and the leader out there. Right. So what does that program look like then? How, how does somebody, if they wanted, if, if somebody was incarcerated and they decided they wanted to get involved in that, like what, what are some of the elements in that program, that leadership development program? Like, what does it look like? So, so here's what we do. Like, so, so we started, you know, and I'm putting this together, the Genesis project thing. And that's, and that's specifically for, for church leaders, but like brothers in blue is all around the state. You can fill out an application. You got to have five years or less, um, it, if you're in the facility and you got to have three years or less to get transferred from other facilities, but they'll actually transfer men. And now they're, now they're in the women's prison too, but they'll transfer them to the facility. If they meet the requirements of, you know, the DRs disciplinary reports, how are they doing? And if they apply then, and, and if they'll transfer them, that's how they come in. And so usually we'll get them in and then they get plugged in and then they start class and then, you'll get them plugged into like a, our, our freedom initiative church inside the CTV church. And then we start training them. You know what I mean? And so, so really our, our leader inside points out, cause, cause you asked the question, Hey, what do you got for leaders right now? Right. And, and they'll, I mean, no baloney say, okay, okay. No, you need to stay away from that guy because you know what I mean? He's, he's, he's got some different goals. And, and so through that, and that's empowerment in itself. We pull them, 
say, Hey, do you want to pursue this? Do you want to, so like, perfect example, my guy will, Hey, do you want to pursue being a pastor? I think you're the guy. I've never done that before, but, but okay. You know what I mean? And he jumped in and not only did he jump in and lead the church and build the church, he brought a whole another leadership team and another pastor under him when he was, when it was his time to get out. And so you had good handing down, good secession, good. And it was all, you know what I mean? It was all done from in the context of behind the walls. So you talk about classes, like what are some of the classes that you go through? So some of the classes that these guys would go through are like um, financial peace. There's the spirituality series. So Bible studies, things like that. Um, search for significance. There's a, there's a drug and alcohol course they run through, which starts at criminal addictive thinking and ends at release and reintegration. There's, there's leadership development classes, some John Maxwell classes, some Patrick Lencioni classes. So there's a lot of, there's a good mix of practical, but also spiritual, which, and, and the beautiful thing is, is Brothers in Blue really accepts everybody. It doesn't matter if you're a Wiccan. If, if, you, if you can follow the rules, man, come on, we welcome you. We'd love to help you be successful too. And so that's, and then, so what I do is, is, is I come along and, and I teach a couple classes still for Brothers in Blue because I don't work there anymore. But, but what I do is, is, is I grow the leaders that grow the leaders in the church. And then, so what we're going to start doing is when they stop Brothers in Blue and graduate, they'll start this Genesis project thing, which then steps them into, to how to be a leader in the church, which includes seminary, which includes different organizational health books, which, you know what I mean? And so, so we start a deeper discipleship walk. Now, how does that, when you say seminary, I think sometimes people think about, you know, going and moving into a seminary building and getting a stack of books. Like what, what does seminary look like for someone? Well, so, so you still end up with a stack of books, um, but, but, but it's, it's, it's in the prison, it's training. And right now, you know, we, we use the Toomey curriculum, the Urban Ministry Institute, which is free to them and, and, and what they do is they, they have to complete 16 modules of, of different parts, harmonutics, armalette, um, let me see, your calling, the kingdom of God, the Trinity, you know what I mean, the doctrine. I mean, I mean it's, it's deep theological training, eight weeks at a time, but affordable and, and able to, to really outfit people to ready to go do ministry. But yeah, so you're talking about, I mean, because I think sometimes you could, there are those could be skeptical to say, okay, what kind of like training are we really getting here? Right. But you're, this is like a fully formed, like life discipleship, but it's also yep. pretty significant theological training so that, yeah, you're really equipping people to, to multiple, to make disciples, right? Yep. Yep. Um, so I had, the, I had the pleasure to come and speak at your church. Yep. And it was awesome. And um, got a chance to kind of dip my toes into the culture. Talk a little bit about, because you've got a, a few different, you've, you've got churches, and you've also got some of the houses you're talking about. Talk a little bit about kind of each of those elements and what kind of culture are you trying to create in each of those places? So, so you know, I thought about it like this. We, you know, I went through prison and, and it was really weird. Like we, we planted a church when I was inside prison and I, I didn't grow up as a Christian. I definitely didn't grow up in church. I, you know what I mean? I didn't, I didn't none of that. It, and the truth is, is God so radically changed me and everybody else that goes involved at that. We planted a church while we were all inmates. And so that gave me a heart for it, which I, I didn't even realize was there until after I was out for a little bit. So we actually started doing housing before anything. And so 
So over the time, I noticed that, that, you know, you can't, you can't give somebody Jesus and not take care of them, right? Like you can't say you need to read the Bible and you're going to hell and you're, you're a heathen without saying, Hey, let me feed you. Let me clothe you. Let me love you. Right. And, 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 and you can't, you can't deliver, you can't, you can't give somebody the gospel presentation and expect them to jump on board and to accept Christ. If, if you don't honestly care for them as a person, it's going to be, you know what I mean? It's going to be a quick say a prayer and move on. And, and there's no, there's no intimate moment with, with God or with the person that's, that's walking through. And so that's the culture I want to change. I, I want people to understand that prison ministry is not just for older folks. You know what I mean? That have run the, run the course of their life and decide, Oh man, maybe I should give back to the prisons, but to understand that, that look, the prison is a direct reflection of our society. It's, it's a concentration of all, all the stuff that happens in our society. Systemic poverty, systemic racism, I mean, you name it, right? We could put the titles all day in that. But that's why prison is there, is because these issues haven't been dealt with, because it's a heart transformation of Christ. And so, so my deal is, is, is I want to level the playing field and, and, and not only for the guys and girls coming out, but for other people to understand that it's not we're not a bunch of weirdos that are waiting to rob you and steal all your stuff. You know what I mean? We're, we're just trying to, we're trying to change the wreckage of our past and become successful in Christ. And so you do that by making options available for these men and women to have an opportunity to do that. And so I, I could go all day in, in, in the prison and I could evangelize and, and just, you know what I mean? Check mark all the people that got saved or, or I cannot keep any track of that. And I can say, hey, John, when you get out, I want you to call this number. Or when you're about three months to the gate, call this number, um, get this application filled out, and let's work on getting you a place to live. Hey, well, here's now the deal that you're out. Hey, let's lock you in with this staffing agency. A friend of mine owns it, help you get a job. Hey, let's, you know what I'm saying? And, and slowly but surely, we have just anchored this young man in the community with four or five different points of anchoring. And, and, and it's not just him trying to make it, but also each of these places that he anchors in at gets to know somebody who's never really dealt with somebody that's been in prison and it changes their heart. They're like, oh, they're, they're not a bunch. You know what I mean? And, and so that's, that's what I'm trying to do. That's the culture I'm trying to set is, is, a, is the deeper understanding of Jesus didn't mince words with anything. And, and there's, I mean, what is it like 1200 words or 1200 and some words that he said or something like that he repeated prisons regularly. You know what I mean? There's, there's, there's a lot that he could have taught on, but, but he did, he went back to the prisons. And, and so there's gotta be something there with that. And so, so when I look at that, it's like, you want a good workforce, empower people. You, you want a revival in your church, empower somebody that knows how to go to the least and, 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 and the lost and, and not be afraid of, you know what I mean? Cruising in the neighborhood and, and empower. I mean, these are, these are, these are warriors and, and, and people just don't understand that. So when you're day one in the house, you know, you fill out the application, you got accepted, yep. you move into the house. What do you hope that that person notices right off the bat, like day one, as they're moving in, what, what do you hope stands out to them? That they're comfortable, that they're just comfortable. Just let that, that when they look around, that they feel good about being out of prison. That, that just like the couch you're sitting on, you know what I'm saying? That, that they're sitting on their couch in the living room, drinking a soda, thinking, holy smokes, I'm free. 
That, yeah. That's what I want. I, I want them to understand that this is this is a home, and 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 that's that's it. And and to know that the people around them aren't trying to tank them. You know what I'm saying? That that it's that that this is this is what we're trying to do to make it successful. How much does that? Because you've mentioned that a few times as we've been talking. How much of that a mindset that has to be overcome? Of because it sounds like you're talking about when you're when you're in a in a facility, you kind of have your head on a swivel. And so, so, so yeah, how do you how do you move past that of like don't trust anybody to man I gotta I'm part of the body of Christ I gotta trust somebody you know how does so, that so I'll, so I'll, I'll put all my stuff out there for you so I I grew up I grew up pretty horribly and not only did I grow up pretty horribly prison didn't help and you know what I mean and the lifestyle didn't help that I lived and and through that I had a flight or fight response to everything. And so, so when you, so I've been, like I said, I've been out of prison almost 12 years. Just until this year, I had no idea, you know what I mean? Why I think the way I think and why I act the way I act. And so I had to go to counseling because, because something wasn't making sense and anxiety and, and I mean, just all that. Right. And so my counselor looked at me and she said, here's the deal. She goes, she goes, you have lived your life in a flight or fight response everywhere you've lived. And it's, it's saved you. It's, you know what I mean? It's protected you. And, and it has like, whether you like it or love it, even if I put myself in the situation, it, it saved me. It, and, mechanism for you. Yeah. And, and so it's like, man, if something's going to go sour, I know it. But, but the problem is, is, is ahead of time, I've already looked for the 12 ways that it's going to be wrong. And without realizing it, it sets my heart and my mind that I can't trust anybody. You know what I mean? That, that, and so, so it's like the first time I went to court, my dad said, you know, it was really weird. He just got out of prison. He was going to court and he said, hey, man, you need to expect the worst and hope for the best. And, and without realizing it became my life mantra. Well, the problem is, is that means if I expect the worst, I am automatically looking for every negative thing to happen. And so that carries over into everything. So you multiply that by the 2.7 million people in prison, most of them think that way. Like, like, why should I trust you when everything I've ever lived has been this way? And so it's, it's that, it's identifying it for what it is, it's praying into it, but then it's walking with little steps to build the trust with them to help them understand that, that you're really not there to hurt them. I imagine that probably takes a pretty significant amount of time to do that. Oh yeah. Well, it, and it's never really done. You know what I mean? It's, it's just not, it's not one of those things that you're like, Oh, we passed that. It's, but it's, it's, it's a little more and a little more. And so a lot of the guys I work with, and, and to be honest, I work with some guys that aren't even Christian. I'm, you know what I'm saying? Like, but, but, but the truth is, is, is I work with knuckleheads who trust me because they know that, that, that I care about them and I love them. And, and my goal is not to see them now whether they agree with what I teach or, you know what I mean? That's, that's neither here nor there. But the fact is, is they know that, that I want what's best for them. And so if I have to tell them something, and even if it's hard to hear, they'll listen to it because it's not me just trying to get over or be condescending is, Hey man, you're ruining your life. You know what I mean? You need to change. And, and, and so it's building that rapport and trust. So, so then transferring that over to thinking about church, how do you overcome that in a church context where you're trying to be, you know, the body of Christ together and kind of find some sense of unity when you have a population of folks that are coming in kind of 
maybe not or trust is how is it really takes a long time to be earned. I mean, I think in ministry, wherever you are, building trust is like a huge fact. So you know, your your starting line's like wait. So how do you do that? Well, really, you just think about how it is normally. I, I mean, if we're honest about the context of church today, most people don't really know each other. You know what I mean? Like, like we meet together, we go to sports, we eat, we pray together. But at the end of the day, there's such a disconnect from, from each other that it makes it to where you really don't know what John's doing. You know what I'm saying? That, and that's why all of a sudden, and we see this all the time in the church, well, John just got popped for pornography or, you know what I mean? There's something crazy or, or, you know, he's had this whole other family and, and it's, and nobody's talked about it. And so it's, it's, it, it's the same, just a little different. Now, now this is why it's so important to me to have somebody like me or somebody like Will that has been in prison in some type of leadership form in this church, because when a person walks through the door and sees me, it's like, you know what I mean? There's, there's a, there's a, there's a little bit of relief that comes, not because, not because anything I did, but, but it's, it's, it's what I represent. It's, it's, I will be accepted here and, and I can open up a little bit yeah. because there's other people here to like me. Yeah. And, and so I think that's where it starts. And, and when you can get that first initial one, it'll always build from there. Yeah. So as much as like I'm super grateful for that there are churches that like yours that are specifically you know oriented and tailored to yep. this population. The hope would be that every church would be yes, that, that would be the hope. <laughs> so so what what can churches do to be a more welcoming environment for people that are trying to get their lives back together coming out of being incarcerated? So not look at somebody when they come through the door if they look completely different than you and not stare at them. I think that's number one. And I, and I don't mean that tongue in cheek. I mean, seriously, you know what I'm saying? Like, like it's, it's, you'll notice that. I mean, you'll just notice it. You'll, you'll, you know what I mean? Like, like three people over here are staring at me and this, this lady over here is like, can I help you? Is that, you know what I'm saying? Not like, Hey, welcome to our church. And gosh, it's, 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 can I help you with anything? Hey, do you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's changing the mindset that that when people look differently or act differently, or you can look at somebody and say, man, he's done some prison time, to, to maybe go a little bit out of your, your comfort zone and say, dang it, it's good to see you. Hey, man, come on down. Let me introduce you to the pastor. You know what I'm saying? Just just love. I mean, really, just love and accept. And then, and then here's the deal, just like you would with anybody. I set healthy boundaries with anybody I meet. I mean, honestly, anybody I meet, I set different kinds of boundaries with. Now I know that that if if this person is is barely coming off of drugs or still active in drugs, I set a bigger boundary because I know you know what I mean that, that situation. And so so as a church, it's 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 extending to this person the same thing that you would extend to anybody else that comes through the door. Now now that being said though, it's also understanding that God calls these men and women to preach and to lead also. And to have avenues that they can do that and then not just say, well, yeah, hey, you can usher or you can, you know what I mean? It's, 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 it's saying, I recognize the Holy Spirit calling you to do something and, and give an opportunity to be raised into that. And look, if it's, if it's not legit, man, it's going to show over time. But, but to just cut it down and say, hey, we don't do that here or, or hey, 
you know, because of your pat, that's, that's not okay. It's, 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 it's just to treat them like anybody else. So if you, if you got Ben or whoever his name is, that says, you know, Hey man, I think God's calling me into leadership and he's got a, you know, $150,000 a year job and he's got a great house and great family, the kids ministry. I mean, most churches are like, come on, Ben, you know what I'm saying? Let me roll you up. Let's do this. Let's do, let's talk about this. Hey man. But then you got John, right? And John's like, Hey, I think God's calling me into leadership. And, and John's only been out of prison for three years. You know what I'm saying? There's, there's, there's a definite disconnect there. It's like, wait a minute. And so, so it's, it's understanding that this happens and then being able to say, well, here's the deal, John, I've never done this before. Uh, let me do some research, right? Let me, let me, let me dig in on how I can help you do this because this is new. It's just, just honesty. Cause that's genuine. That's not, but, but to say like, Oh, we don't do that or all, oh, you know, it, it, it's, it's it, to me, it's dishonoring the call of God that comes on their life. And, and, and that's what we don't want because look, our culture shifted. This whole country's culture shifted to where people look a lot differently than the people that go to church. And so these men and women, that's, that's your missionary. You know what I mean? That's, that's the missionary, the one that's had a past that can move in these circles. That's the missionary. Well, and I don't think, I don't think always that people that are in my shoes or that, you know, our pastors in, in you know, your tr traditional like suburban church realize whether you've been incarcerated or not, how big of a deal it is to set foot inside a church building sometimes, right? Like yeah. sometimes that's the biggest, yeah. because I would imagine like if someone walks into a church building and, ha and, and they get stairs, that's probably what they're expecting, right? They're, they're not like, yeah. they're, probably more surprised if it's a, if they're warmly welcome and if they're invited into ministry and if they're invited into leadership, they're probably more expecting like, well, if I go in that building, people are going to stare at me. People yeah. are gonna... And so why even do it? Right. Right. So, so that just thinking about that in, in my situation at community covenant, like we would just have to be extra diligent to tell a different story. Right to present so, narratives. So let's talk about Brian Wright. I'm gonna put old Brian Wright under the bus, right? So, so I sat with this dude first time. I, I mean, first time I ever met him. I met him through an email from Matt Adams from Westside. Never talked to him in person. He, first, he was the first one. Man, let's get some coffee. You know what I'm saying? And, and so I sit down and I say, Hey, I am trying to plant a church on the outside for murderers, sex offenders, thieves, drug addicts. You know what I mean? Just people that don't have excuse me, don't have a family. I, I, I said, we, we work with these men and women inside. I said, then we get out and we have no place for them to go because, you know, because of just whatever happens. And, and he, he just welcomed me with open arms. He said, Hey man, I love that. He said, not only do I love that, let me show you a space that we have so that you can help. You know what I'm saying? These men and women be successful. And then here's the kicker, right? So when I walked into foundry, and I'm, I'm a big guy. I'm not, you know what I mean? I'm not a small dude. I'm, I'm 270. I'm six foot two. I'm, and I'm covered in tattoos. Never once has anybody ever looked at me cross or weird or anything at that church. And, and that's the culture that, that Brian and the leadership built in that church to where they're like, come on, you know what I mean? Just come on in, man. And, and Greg Moore, and you know what I mean? And since we're replacement friends, I just want to throw that one out. But, 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 you know, it, him, him, he, he just, man, he just became a friend right away. And, 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 and Brian, Brian leads that culture. 
right? There's no, there's no delineation throughout the way that that church works. It was like, no, he's a leader. We respect him, whether he looks and, and, and the church really just kind of wrapped around with open arms. And it's like, if this would have happened nine years ago in a different city, I mean, granted, you know, it's all God, but how much, how much better would it have been? And, and how much better would it be for the people after me? If, if a church like that could, could just love like that. Right. Well, and I, and that takes some self-awareness on the part of a church and church. Yeah. Because I think, you know, even like our, so our church has just finished up, you know, three weeks of really focusing on some of the racial tensions in our country yep. and about all that. What does the Bible have to say about all that? And, and we have people in our church saying, all right, like, let's do it. Let's, let's be a part of this. Let's be a part of, and, and we say, you know, in a vacuum, like, yeah, if somebody came to church, we would welcome them with open arms. Right. But it's, it's not even, in my opinion, it's not even like the overt things. It's kind of like what you're saying. It's like, well, what kind of sentences do people use when they greet you? Yep. How greet you? Do they kind of, what's the body language? And obviously, with COVID right now, it's all weird because people are wearing masks and yeah, body language is weird anyway right now. <laughs> but um, but there's a lot of I think our own fears and our own anxieties in the church that get exposed when we're presented with people who are different than us. That yep. again, it's this normalizing thing. I think you you have to work on that. That's not something you can say like, okay, I'm not going to. No. Get- people with tattoos you know like yep. more like you just got to spend some time with people with tattoos just to, yeah and then you're like oh he's they're actually pretty decent you know what i mean it's it's that it's and and so you know i've, I've got a mentor named jeff and, and and me and jeff are on complete opposite sides of the socioeconomic scale i mean just truthfully like like i'm just opposite that dude has loved me like a son and you know when, when i didn't have a dad i mean my dad was not not a good dad and and he loved me. He's taught me how to love my wife. He's taught me, you know what I mean? How to be a better husband. And, and at first he didn't know how to, he didn't know how to deal with me, but he didn't care. You know what I mean? What, what he cared for was, was he saw something in me that, that nobody else really has like that. And, and, and that's, and that's how he overcame it. And, and to the point that, I mean, he trusts me, you know what I mean? Almost with anything. I mean, he just like, without even a second thought, that's, that's, that's how he is. But, but it had to start with that, right? It had to start with him saying, Oh, he's really not that much different. He just got tattoos in the past. And, and so, and, and, and now we hang out whenever we can. And, and, and it just, but it took that little bit and really on my part and, and anybody else's part as, as an ex convict release citizen, whatever title you want to put on it to stop and say, I got to quit being so sensitive about everybody judging me for my past, right? Because that's that's the other side of it, is, is I have to understand that I can't be mad at somebody for the context that they've lived in their whole life. I have to give them as much grace as they're trying to give me. And so I think when you have those two happen, you see change happen. I was reading through uh, Ephesians 2 this morning, and Paul talks about, you know, that Jesus broke down the dividing wall of hustle. Yep. In that context, he's talking about Jews and Gentiles, but I mean, those are two populations that, you know, are the epitome of looking at each other kind of cross-eyed. Yep. I don't, I don't know about you. You're unclean or, or, 
from the Gentile side, like you guys are, are too uppity. You guys are too stuck yep. up. And yep. so he's like a key part of all of this conversation is a humility. You know, yep. if, if, if you and I are interacting with each other and I immediately say, well, this is Matt's past. He's done this and this and that. And right. This without taking into account of, well, this is where Christ has worked in my life. You know, like here's the, the, the things in my heart that aren't there. And I think that's something that I've been thinking about a lot in the last couple of years as I've gotten more into kind of some of these justice things and some of these missional things is, you know, we tend as a church to, to rate sinfulness, you know, yeah. like sin like this, well, that's a category five sin. But if you sin like right. this, it's a category two sin, but that's not in the gospel. No. Right. It doesn't say Jesus went on the cross to pray for category five sins. Like you know, <laughs> yeah. those are the Romans one sins that he's that, you know what I mean? <laughs> not that levels to heaven, right? We're not yeah. have that theology where it's like, yeah. what, you know, you get to be in the slums of heaven. If you have done that, right. if you just by the skin of your teeth, make it house. <laughs> if you know, if you live this kind of life, it's like, no, we're, so I think there there's a piece of the gospel of the how the ground is leveled by the cross that you yep. know really have to recapture. And I and I think just in this conversation, that's challenging me um, as a pastor, as a ministry leader, to say like, how do I? You know, we talk about we use the language a lot of we want to meet people where they're at, but how do we truly do that? Do that. How do we truly say? I'm going to do my best to not make a prejudgment because we all do this, right? We all, yep. you see somebody. I do that. I, do, I mean, I do, we're just human. It's, that's a, it's a natural response to a situation. Right. I might pre, prejudge somebody that has a huge house and drives a Tesla. I might right. have a prejudgment about, well, man, they must be materialistic and they probably, you know, their faith, you know, so it, there's all kinds of prejudgment that goes on. So the discipline is how do you get to the point where you can, get below that kind of face value thing yep. actually get to know somebody's story and that i think that that's the intentionality though you yeah. you have to be you have to you have to put yourself in those positions to be able to have that relationship and build it yeah yeah and that takes time too right i mean yeah. it's, i mean i think there's there's first impressions and i think maybe that's the the word to you know churches like mine is you might mess up, right? And like in your attempt to be more welcoming or more humble, right. you still might do something stupid or you still might. And then, and then you learn and you just change it up, right. but you don't quit. <laughs> right. Well, and I think it goes back to, you know, some of the conversation we started with is I think sometimes when we're trying to follow Jesus in a discipleship posture and we try something and we fail, a lot of times we just count ourselves out. We say, well, yeah blew it it's over and even in relationships i think sometimes we can get in our minds of like well you know like i really tried but i blew it with this person and they probably think x y or z about me right. so it's over and i think how do we get past that you know like just get back in there again just give it another yeah. shot you know apologize and clarify yeah. and let vulnerability is an amazing thing it goes a long way vulnerability and transparency 
to, to if you put those in anything that you do, you'll get past just about anything. Right. So as you're looking forward, then, I mean, you've been at this for a while and, and um, I know there's some plans in the works, like, where do you see God taking the freedom initiative in the near future? What, what's God putting on your heart? So, so I would like to see in Kansas, I would like to see it in, in the women's prison in Topeka. Now COVID's got everything really kind of messed up right now, but I'd like to see a campus inside of, of Topeka. I want to get some in the other prisons. Like, so we got them in Hutch and Lansing. I want to see them in Topeka, but then also I'd like to see it go nationwide because I'd like to see churches partner and, and help develop leaders also. Cause look, it takes, it takes me and you working together to work on this, right? It's, it's not, it can't be all me because that's, that's only representing half of the people that we're talking about. And it takes you and I with the same mindset that says, Hey, we understand the concept of the gospel and the direction of kingdom work that says, move forward, make disciples. And, and, and that takes all of us. So, so if we can work together and understand this, then, then we're going to see revival happen like we talk about, but that's the only way that it happens. And so, so my plan is to continue just trudging through and trying to get more people together to understand the vision and, and to be able to set this pipeline up to where we pull in leaders, pray for them, guide them, disciple them, empower them, equip them, then send them out and, and then partner them with other people to go plant more churches. So when you're talking about campuses, you're talking about inside. Talking about inside the prison and then one outside. So, so this is what, this is what I found for every church we plant inside. So like we got one up here in Kansas, well, in, in Lenexa. So for each of these that are in the prison that are going back to the Kansas city area, they can all hit that one. What I would like to do is also get one in Wichita. You know what I mean? Same type of deal. So all the people, and, and so when you do that, if you have the outside campuses and the inside campuses, then you have, you have the catch all for them to go to when they get out so they don't skip the beat. Yeah. What do you see as maybe the unique contribution that someone who's been incarcerated can make to the church? What is, oh my gosh. What is, so, what is that unique contribution that you see? Yeah. Like, cause I think sometimes I've got a whole book. I'm just kidding, but <laughs> kind of tee it up for you. But I say that because I think sometimes the perspective is like, here's the church. And we're going to help the lowly prisoner, right. but we all are contributing to this bigger picture. So what is that contribution that, that an incarcerated person makes into the bigger picture that God's doing? Do I got to be super careful about what I say, or can I just say it? Just say it, man. Okay. So here's the deal. This is what I've noticed. Um, most suburban churches are stuck in the way that they live. And, and it's, it's retirement, it's kids sports. It's, you know what I'm saying? It's, and, and, and church gets knocked down the notches to where that's kind of the last thing on the deal. But the fact is, is when you put somebody in the church that is fresh out of prison, that just had their life handed back to them, you know what I'm saying, that is sold out for God, you have the Holy Spirit that really starts to move. And so what happens is the people that are around this person start feeling that. And, and it's, I mean, it's, it's amazing. They, they, they start looking at life differently and they start seeing, right? Because what happens is 
is when this man or woman gets out of prison and then they start making the right decisions and going the right way. And then, and then their, let's say their family gets back in their life, right? Or their kids that they haven't talked to in 10 years uh, is now sitting in church with them. You know what? I mean, that, that, that shakes people because they understand then that this gospel is living and breathing and, and it's not, it's not a Sunday thing. It's not a before the bed thing. Like this has life changing. It's like this. If, if you sat and watched somebody with cancer, all of a sudden healed the next day, it blow your mind. If you sat next to, you know what I'm saying? So you got to think about it like this, man. If I look at my life, man, I was, I was a junkie. I mean, I was a straight up junkie and, and all that mattered in my life was drugs. And then it didn't, you know what I'm saying? And, and now, and now here I am, I've got grandkids. I've got two little boys. My girls are grown up and doing awesome. And you know what I'm saying? Like all of these things are all what God's done. And so everybody I've ever come in contact with that either reads the book I wrote or, or knows my story because we're friends all says the same thing. Like, like, Holy crap. That's, that's gotta be God. There's no way, you know what I mean? Cause there isn't even, even my family, Right, my family that doesn't believe in God are like, I don't know how you, I don't get it. It's got to be God, right? And, and, and that's and so that's what you get when you when you when you when you do that is is you get something fresh and new that that will change the people around you because look, we're creatures of habit. I don't care who you are. I don't care what your background is. We're creatures of habit. And so so when you shake that up a little bit with some kingdom, it 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 stokes the fire again inside. And, and, and not only that, but man, sometimes it's good to have some fresh arms and legs to propel the gospel forward. Yeah, man. So good. Hey, as we kind of finish our time today, Matt, um, if people are interested in what you're doing, how do they learn more? How do they get involved in what, and what you're doing? So, so there's, there's a couple ways. Our website is freedominitiative.church. And, or you, you can just feel free to call me at 913-257-7300. I mean, either one of those, you'll, you'll, you'll get a hold of me. Cool. Well, Matt, we so much appreciate you taking the time to come share your heart. I know this is an aspect of the church that, as you say, the gospels talk about, Jesus talks about visiting the prisoner, yep. and, um, but it's often overlooked. And so, man, I really appreciate you kind of illuminating like a, a significant part of the body of Christ that the church often forgets about. And man, my prayer is that, you know, this conversation helps stoke the fire in somebody's heart to man, I hope really so. be back into, you know, this ministry that's really close to, to what Jesus is all about. Amen. Well, I appreciate the time, Tom, and I, I really appreciate the chance too. It's, it, it was cool, man. Thank you. Awesome, brother. Well, hey, you take care. Um, we'll see you next week as we continue this journey discover what God is doing in the greater community. We'll see you next week.